If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You know, I love Doritos. I can't help it. I've loved them since I was a kid. I also don't like spending money. I look for deals, places. It's just part of how I grew up. I don't love spending money. Even my parents make fun of me. For I just don't spend a lot of money. I don't buy fancy new clothes, fancy new cars, fancy... I just, just don't do it. I like to save money. So why don't I just go down to the gas station and I go grab all the Doritos in there and I put them in my pocket or hide them under my coat and I walk out of the gas station. Why not? It's the best of both worlds. I get the Doritos I love, and I don't have to spend any money. Makes the most sense, doesn't it? Why don't I do that? Because there's a disincentive for me to do that. Maybe that gas station owner is not interested in being shoplifted. Maybe he pulls out a gun. Maybe I get away scot-free, but I'm caught on camera. Cops pull me over. Headlines tomorrow would be all over the place. Jesse Kelly, right-wing radio host and TV star. Caught stealing! There's a disincentive for me to go steal Doritos. Therefore, I don't steal Doritos. Why are we still in the middle of a never-ending pandemic? Why? Why would the government continue to do this? Why is it everywhere you turn, panic here and panic there, and CDC and FDA and get your booster? Why is this thing without end? It's without end 
because the people pushing it don't have any disincentive. There's no reason for them to stop. There's nothing stopping them from doing these things. They're out there right now saying the pandemic isn't over. The pandemic isn't over. The virus is still out there evolving, and we got to stay on our front footing here and continue to battle this thing. Okay. Well, why is he saying that? Why wouldn't he say that? He is in power right now. Democrats are in power right now. Democrats are in power after being way worse than Republicans, as bad as Republicans were, about pushing COVID panic porn, pushing this insanity, pushing lockdowns, pushing masks, pushing vaccines, pushing vaccine mandates. The Democrats whipped the country into a frenzy for over a year. And at the end of that, the United States of America promptly went and sent them into office. They hold the House, they hold the Senate, they cheated, but they hold the presidency as well. What's the disincentive? There is none. It has given them power. It has given many of their friends money, which always ends up filtering its way back into their pocket. So there's no disincentive for them. And here's the thing. When they're pushing this stuff, all this craziness out there right now, now it's time to have a serious talk about sending them to prison for the things they're pushing. We're talking jail time here. You've seen the stuff about the boosters, right? You do, you do remember, do you remember the Dr. Naomi Wolf interview I did on the show? Just, just a quick, quick rewind with the Dr. Naomi Wolf interview. What that was, was Pfizer documents they had to submit to the FDA in order to get their FDA approval. Remember, we rely on the FDA. You rely on it. I rely on it. Food and Drug Administration. They're going to tell us, hey, eat this. Don't eat that. Hey, this medicine is safe. Oh, don't take that one. Pfizer has to submit documents showing their studies and everything they did to the FDA. Pfizer didn't want those documents released. The FDA didn't want those documents released. The FDA tried to stonewall the American public after they told you to take the vaccine, then they said, oh, sorry, we're going to need 75 years to release these documents to the public. Somebody took them to court. Dr. Naomi Wolf and others sat down and combed through those documents. The FDA knew very early on one shot wasn't going to be near enough, and yet they lied. The FDA, your Food and Drug Administration, knew about the adverse effects on women, especially pregnant women, and they didn't tell you. Instead, they told you to take it. Why? Why did they do that? Because they're not afraid of going to prison. It's time to start talking about throwing these people in prison for the rest of their lives. Because the real question is, why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't they continue to lie, line the pockets of Pfizer? The second you leave the FDA, you go work for Pfizer, line your own pockets. It's one gigantic incestuous system. The director of the CDC is still out there telling people to go get booster shots. Currently, many Americans are under-vaccinated, meaning they are not up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines. Not all people over the age of 50 have received their first booster dose. Of those who received their first booster dose, only 28% of those over 50 have received a second booster dose. And of those over the age of 65, only 34% have received their second booster dose. So my message right now is very simple. It's it's 
essential that these Americans, as Dr. Shaw said, get their second booster shot right away. That person should be fearful to go to jail right now. A human being is taking her position as head of the Center for Disease Control. She's pushing something on people she knows doesn't work, and she's not worried about going to prison for abusing that position of power. That person has to be worried about going to prison, or she's never going to stop abusing her position of power. Remember what they've done to children. Remember, we have all these headlines now about the mental health of kids and how kids have fallen behind in school and how child abuse went through the roof and so many kids, uh, suicides, child suicide. What's worse than that? Child suicide went through the roof. We know what this thing has done to children for a pandemic that was no danger to kids at all, none whatsoever. And yet they're still pushing things like this. Parents who, who don't want to wear a mask indoors in school, are there any other options for them? For the fall, there are some options. They can go to our uh, school that's online. Um, they can opt not to return to the regular school, but to go to the school where they don't have to go to school at all other than via Zoom. Yeah. And um, that's the easiest way for folks. What who about don't the want summer school? What if they were already enrolled in the summer school and now they get this mask mandate and they're not comfortable with wearing a mask? They really should wear the mask. But if they're not, not comfortable, uh, what should they do? They should just let make it known that they don't feel comfortable and at that point just not return. Wear your useless mask, kids, or don't show back up at school. How are these people so comfortable acting in this way? They're comfortable acting this way because no one is threatening them with a reckoning. There's no disincentive for that monster right there to continue to be a monster. I mean, look, at, look around at what these people have done to our country. Putin's price hike and all this other crap, but take a look at what they've done right now in the United States of America. Forget worldwide. We had a booming economy. Look around at what this has done to us now. Remember, the pandemic didn't do anything that you're looking at now. The pandemic response did. Insane lockdowns, insane measures for a virus completely survivable by the vast majority of the population. They destroyed us, destroyed us, and they did it so they could gain money and gain power, and they have gained money, and they have gained power. But how could we possibly disincentivize someone from seeking money and power? We tell them, if you do wrong and you crush people, we will have you arrested. We will have you put on trial. We will throw you in prison the rest of your life. And all of a sudden, you don't want to steal the Doritos anymore. How many people out there watching me right now? How many people out there are out of work because of COVID lockdown measures? You lose your job, you lose your business. How many people out there watching me right now? How many of you lost your job for a vaccine mandate? Remember when Joe Biden, the guy who was gonna bring healing back to the country, remember when Joe Biden stood up and called it the pandemic of the unvaccinated? He pointed to half the United States of America and wrongly, I might add, pointed to them and said, you're responsible for the pandemic. And then the next day he gets up at the podium and points at them and says, not only are you responsible for the pandemic, you should be fired. What a cold bunch of monsters we have who lead us in this country. 
And I'm not expecting them to stop becoming monsters. I'm not. I am, however, hoping maybe the monster will dial down his mental illness a bit when he starts going to prison. People in power in this country need to go to prison. And if you don't agree with me yet, I'm going to talk to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya next. He talked to Trump about all this in the very beginning. He has thoughts on Burks. He has thoughts on Trump. He has some things you definitely need to hear. Hang on. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. You remember the Barrington Declaration? Maybe you don't look. There's been about a thousand news cycles between that and this, but it's really something you should have paid attention to. I think it's probably appropriate now to look back and pay a bit more attention to it. Joining me now, probably the smartest human being we've ever had on the show, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor, Stanford School of Medicine, author of the Great Barrington Declaration. Doctor, what's the Great Barrington Declaration? Sounds like something from medieval times. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's from October 2020, which feels like medieval times maybe now. Um, yeah. the, uh, the idea is really simple. Uh, we look at COVID mortality risk, and it's so clear that it's children and young people are really not at risk from COVID, not, not at a very severe risk, whereas like older people is a much higher risk. Um, and on the other hand, all these lockdowns that we did, closing schools, closing businesses, you know, we've really damaged the lives of a lot of people with them. So it's a very simple idea. Don't lock down, which harms young people. Do uh, employ focused protection of older people because that's who is at risk of COVID. That was, so we wrote that in October 2020. Um, and uh, the idea was that, uh, that we wanted to change public health responses. And what happened instead was that we had uh, Francis Collins, who was the head of the NIH then, and uh, Tony Fauci uh, basically scheming to suppress and destroy the careers of anyone who signed it. A lot of people who signed it lost their jobs. You know, tens of thousands of doctors, epidemiologists actually signed the thing um, because they that was the traditional way to manage pandemics. Instead, we've had this like lockdown-focused civil rights violating uh, nonsense that's destroyed the lives of so many people. If we just followed that simple idea from the very beginning of the pandemic, we would be in a much better place. Doctor, as you obviously know, shutting down an economy, shutting down a society is not, it's not a way to accomplish anything, let alone stop a virus. Yet this is something that was so widely accepted. Forget about the masses, forget about the public. In so much of the medical community, this is something that was not just accepted, it was pushed as listen to the doctors, follow the doctors. Now, obviously it wasn't all of them, but that for me and many people I know was quite a shock because people see doctor and they automatically give some level of trust. They were shocked to find out how broken our medical community is. How did that happen? 
I mean, I think uh, you could you can see how Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, uh, the head of the NIH, schemed for this. Like essentially, what they did is they tried to create and and successfully did an illusion of consensus among doctors and scientists that never existed, Jesse. That in fact, I think that even at the time. A, a very large number of doctors, probably even a majority of doctors and, and scientists, had qualms, deep qualms about this lockdown focus strategy. Uh, when the head of the NIH essentially says that if you if you cross me, I'm going to destroy you. Essentially, that's what he did. He wrote an email to Tony Fauci saying uh, we need to have a devastating takedown of these fringe epidemiologists. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's uh, in, including doctors like Nobel Prize winners, doctors from Harvard, Stanford, Oxford. Um, Essentially what he's doing is sending a signal to everyone else, all the other scientists, you better be quiet or we'll come after you. And they created this illusion of consensus that did not exist. Now, I'm gonna ask a stupid question, but you'll find out I do that. What does that mean coming after them and, and destroying their careers? You mentioned people were fired. How does the head of the NIH have that kind of control? What is this guy, some kind of god up there waving some <laughs> scepter around, deciding who could be hired and who could be fired? How does how does one go from the NIH the, uh, being mad at you to you being out of work? Yeah, so um, part of it is that the funding for some of the top medical schools, so many of the top universities in the country comes from the NIH. Um, uh, and if you if you want to, so I'm, I'm a tenured professor at Stanford University in the medical school. Um, in order to get tenure, very often what's required is you have a large NIH grant. Um, it's really it's a kind of a risk. I mean, you, you know, it's not it's not explicit, but uh, you don't want to cross the boss, right? You, you, it's it's essentially. I think a lot of people have written me during the pandemic saying, look, I'm, I'm, I don't, I agree with you, but I really can't speak up, uh, including people where I work here at Stanford. It's been, uh, it's been frustrating to watch, uh, in part because I totally understand where they're coming from. Junior professors don't have the protection of tenure as I've had. Many tenure professors would rather protect their, their reputations and careers uh, than, than, than speak out. Uh, I mean, they've done their best, I think, as, as best they can given their circumstances, but it is really hard when you have the, the top of the hierarchy, medical hierarchy in the United States, uh, pushing against you to speak up, even if you have qualms. And I'm telling you, Jesse, it is a lot of people, a lot of people have qualms against, a lot of people, very prominent qualified people have qualms against the policy we follow. Doctor, I'm probably asking you to step into out of a, out of your world of, of reality into something you're gonna have to kind of guess on, because all I can do is guess on, but. We still have doctors up there. Dr. Fauci is a doctor. Dr. Burks is a doctor. I just have always assumed you would only go to 95 years of college if you genuinely <laughs> had some sort of empathy for people, really, and want to help people in some way. The things you describe here sound evil to me. You're destroying a society for a virus you know is not that dangerous. Wiping, I mean, what they did to kids alone is amazing. That sounds evil to me. Now, assuming they're not evil, what's wrong with these people? I mean, I think, uh, um, I don't know if I call them evil. I, th I think they just are mistaken. And let me tell you the, the deep mistake they made. Uh, Tony Fauci, Deborah Burks, uh, Robert Redfield, who was the head of the CDC before, the current head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, all of them made their bones on uh, their 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 uh, expertise on HIV. All of their expertise and all of their inclinations were thinking about COVID as if it were HIV when it's not. 
right? With HIV, if you are infected, you don't get natural immunity. In fact, it destroys your immune system. With HIV, you, you know, you tell people to wear condoms uh, as to stop the spread of the disease, just like we're telling people to wear masks uh, in, to, to stop the spread of the disease. Uh, with HIV, uh, the, 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 there's no immediate symptoms, often the, the not, not any severe ones. What happens is you have a long HIV. Five, many years later, you get these horrible uh, infections and, and cancers that kill you. Uh, with HIV, you have contact tracing to stop the spread of the disease because uh, you, you can, you, you know, you pretty much can tell who gave it to you. Uh, none of these things are true for COVID. It's really hard to tell who gave it to you. Uh, masks don't really stop the spread of the disease very effectively. Uh, the, 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 there isn't, most of the disease is, is if, if you're going to get a disease, uh, you know, harm from COVID, but you like uh, you know, respiratory symptoms, that's the primary thing that happens. And in most people, unless you're elderly or have some other conditions, it doesn't, it's not going to kill you. Um, so it's, uh, it, and, and, you know, I think, so I think a lot of these people, they, the, that were at the top of the infectious disease hierarchy, they don't really have epidemiological skills. Um, I mean, COVID, for instance, Tony Fauci is not an epidemiologist. Um, they don't really have a deep understanding or deep appreciation for how well freedom protects us against the, the, the harms of infectious disease. I mean, I think if, if we would just allow society to go on, we would have actually had a much healthier society now while protecting the vulnerable older. We could have done that, but we didn't. Gosh, we really didn't. All right, Dr. Burks is going to be my last question because she's made news recently. She has a book coming out, but the news that the really most eye-popping part of the whole thing for me was Dr. Burks admitted, I mean, honestly, frankly, bragged about it. She put it in her own book that she lied to then-President Trump in order to get COVID responses she wanted. Now, that's horrible. Who, who do these people think they are? Do they, do they have some kind of an unhealthy view of themselves in the world? Because these people genuinely seem like they think they're gods or something. They, they think they're smarter than you and me, Jesse. That's the problem. Uh-huh. Like they, they believe they have no humility whatsoever. Uh, that uh, that you know you have a new disease floating around. You, what you really do, you should you should be seeking out other people to talk talk with and try to get as many voices at the table as possible. Uh, when Scott Atlas, who was uh, President uh, President uh, uh, Trump's advisor uh, for a few months for COVID, came in, he actually uh, invited me to come to the White House to speak with with him and with President Trump and with with uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. Burks and Fauci both denied, denied the opportunity to meet with me. In fact, we spoke with Trump without them present. They made some stupid excuse to not come. Uh, they did not want to hear any contrary voices. They wanted to create this illusion that they were smarter than everybody else and everyone agreed with them. Everyone of, of note agreed with them when that wasn't true, Jesse. It just wasn't true. And she is, uh, if you are an advisor of the president, you owe the president the, the, your absolute candor about what you believe. You do not ever use that position to trick the president into doing some things that you want them to do. You just tell the, the truth. I think she, uh, what she did, admitted to doing in her own book is a dereliction of duty. How was your advice received? Um, I have to say, I, I was disappointed, Jesse. I mean, I, I uh, main thing I said to President Trump was to open the schools. And I and I pushed for uh, for focus protection of the elderly as the primary thing. I think his instincts were there, but I also suggested that he needed new advisors. Um, and I, I my sense was that uh, President Trump was very worried about being reelected, and that his advisors were telling him that if if he were to let Dr. Burks and Fauci go, 
that uh, that he wouldn't be reelected. Uh, and I think, but for a president, for me, that's a disappointment. A president is responsible for managing these very, very difficult things. Um, you don't get to decide on the basis of re-election can, uh, uh, probabilities. You, have, you just have to do the right thing. And the right thing there would have been to let Fauci and Burks go. Yeah, I agree. Doctor, thank you so much for giving us some wisdom. I appreciate you. Thank you. Kids, what happened to kids during this pandemic? The great Liz Wheeler is going to join us next. Well, we are certainly not over it. And I think that, you know, people have an understandable desire to put this in the rearview mirror and say we're through with it. But that's just not the reality. Joining me now, my friend Liz Wheeler of the great Liz Wheeler show. Liz, okay, I understand why this angry little elf would hang on to this thing for a very, very, very long time. But wouldn't it be smart strategically for him to let it go at this point? What's he still gaining out of all this? Well, first of all, I don't think that Fauci is the most qualified person in the country to tell us what reality is, given his track record over not just the last two years during COVID, but the last 50 years of being in the pocket of big pharma. You'll notice that anytime you turn on any kind of news channel, one year you'll hear advertisements for some big pharmaceutical, some big pharma drug, and the next year you'll see this class action lawsuit. This is what Fauci has been funding, the research into these drugs that enrich him while hurting people for the last 50 years. But uh, the politics of the thing is Fauci actually does stand to gain from continuing COVID or perpetuating COVID. Not only does he stand to gain because people are still getting vaccines, oddly enough, (laughs) and um, they are still using pharmaceutical drugs to treat COVID, also oddly enough. But the the crux of the matter is this is a strategy for 2022 and 2024. The Democrats won in 2020 because they electioneered the election. They essentially rigged the election by using COVID to fear monger, to convince people that that in order to avoid getting COVID and dying, you need universal mail-in ballots and unattended drop boxes and to degrade signature verification, et cetera, et cetera, all these different provisions that um, are a vulnerability to our election integrity. And that's what Democrats are trying to do for 2022 as well. They need people to be afraid of COVID so that they can continue their electioneering, both not, not just for the midterm elections, but also for 2024. Fauci is a, a, a partisan. He is a far leftist. He wants, he wants the Democratic Party to remain in power and he's happy to play a part in it liz is it still a winner for them because i think look me personally i thought this was going to be a loser for them for a while and i was dead wrong people love these lockdowns and masks and things like that a lot more than i thought they loved them but surely the bloom is off that rose right yeah, it's a little demoralizing. I have to say, I think I'm I think I'm right most of the time. But one of the things that I've been wrong about the last two years, specifically, I guess, in spring of 2020, is I thought that each time the government ratcheted up the lockdowns, that that would cause people, even non-political people, to say, whoa, hold on a second, we're not going to do this. And that the backlash would be so significant or so severe that, that the politicians would stop with their lockdowns and with their dictatorship, with their imposition of, of, of mandates and all 
and all of that. And people did not. I was very disappointed, actually, in how many people, including people on our own side, were complicit in, in these lockdowns. So maybe, maybe I'm not the best person to predict how people will react to this. But I do think that there's one area that we've seen the American people rebel against Fauci's dictates, and that's when it impacts our children, whether it's masking children, which is unscientific, whether it's shutting down schools, which is not only unscientific, it's harmful, or now with this rollout of the COVID vaccine for children, where 98% of parents who have children between the ages of six months and five years old, which is it is the latest age bracket to get approved for this vaccine, 98% of parents have chosen to reject this vaccine. So if they keep targeting children, I think that politically that's good for us because parents, regardless of their political party, don't want that, won't stand for that, reject it. Here was Fauci talking about masks. I thought this was interesting. If you look at the map, where just a couple of months ago it was a lot of green and some yellow, now we're seeing a fair amount of orange, which means you really should, in an indoor setting, a congregate setting, be wearing masks. It's just the appropriate thing to do to defend, to protect yourself and your family. We're going to set aside the fact that Fauci's on camera, as you've seen a thousand times, Liz. Have you played a thousand, as you've played a thousand times on your show, laughing about the idea of a whole society of people walking around wearing face masks? Let's just let's set that aside. How many people in the country, obviously they're waking up to some of this stuff, how many still genuinely believe that stupid mask they wore on their face accomplished something? I don't know, but I find it I find it funny to hear him talk about these segments of the country that are supposedly orange on his map. And I, I just think, oh, orange, speaking of orange, why don't you take your vitamin C and then you'd be fine. You'd be fine if you get if you get COVID. See, their their testing regimen is ridiculous. It doesn't matter how many positive tests for COVID that 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 people get in this country. Most people get COVID as just a cold or a mild flu. Some people get it as a severe flu, but the vast, 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 vast majority of people are not at risk for fatality from COVID nineteen. So getting a positive test is is it, it has no bearing on anything listen i fly all the time and i find it very interesting to observe how many people on airplanes and in airports are voluntarily wearing masks and it really is political depending on your location if you are in an airport in washington dc if you are in an airport in california if you are in an airport in any kind of red or, or i should say blue area there's going to be a higher percentage of people that are wearing masks and if you are in texas or you're in florida or you're in ohio you don't you don't see a mask in sight there's to be one or two people wearing masks. At, at this point, I don't even think that people believe that it prevents COVID-19. I think it's a social um, it's a social crutch that they use because they don't want to interact with other people, and this is the easiest way to do it. That actually sounds really nice. That's the best argument anyone's ever made to me to try to get me to wear a mask, Liz. That sounds wonderful. You just put this thing on and everyone leaves you alone. I love that. Liz, be honest. How many of those books behind you have you read? I've read quite a bit of them. My husband and I have a rule about the uh, our bookshelves. We have bookshelves all over our house, not just here in the studio. And we try not to put books on the shelf unless we've actively read them or they are on our to-read list. So pretty much most of the ones on the bookshelf I've read. You mentioned the vaccine in kids. Uh, the FDA knew very early on that there were serious side effects when it comes to this vaccine. And they knew very early on about the things vaccinated women were going through, especially pregnant women were going through. But the public still doesn't know these things, Liz. And when you finally dig into it, it's, it's honestly, it's genocidal what we've done. 
Yeah, it's completely criminal. I mean, if if uh, if you look at the actual data for what the vaccines do, I mean, just I mean, I, I know you're talking about fertility. You're talking about women's menstrual cycles and how it's impacted that. Women said from the very beginning, the people who got the vaccine from the very beginning uh, said, hey, this is messing with my period. And these public health experts say, no, it's not. No, it's not. You're crazy. Women knew that they weren't crazy. But the, the funniest study that I've seen, and again, funny, funny, not funny study, was that the vaccine actually impacts male fertility it actually decreases sperm count by 20% in the months following vaccination for COVID-19. And um, as I said, funny, not funny, but it is interesting. It is interesting to see. I can't imagine any parent in their right mind getting their, their baby this vaccine because not only is their baby not at high risk of COVID-19, we don't know the long-term effects of mRNA and the studies that these pharmaceutical companies ran on children between the ages of six months and five years old uh, show that it has basically no no impact whatsoever. Um, the, the, the truth of the matter is in order for the pharmaceutical companies to enjoy li uh, immunity from liability, meaning that the people that get the vaccine can't sue them if they're injured or killed by the vaccine, the vaccine has to be recommended by the CDC and the FDA for all age brackets. If it's just limited to one age bracket or two age brackets, um, if it's just for middle-aged people or older people but not for babies, then the, the farm, big pharma can be sued for it. So this is obviously a political motive and these children are being just sacrificed for for profit. Operation Warp Speed really turned out to be a banger for us, didn't it, Liz? Yeah, it did. It did. And this is this is one of the biggest things. You and I have talked about this off of air a little bit, but this is one of my biggest concerns about President Trump possibly running again in 2024, as I'm not sure he learned his lesson when it came to when it comes to how he handled that fourth year that he was in office or COVID-19. He really he really messed that up. And uh, I haven't seen any indication that he's recognized that he's recognized that he messed it up. Liz Wheeler of the Liz Wheeler Show. Appreciate you, Liz. Thanks, Jesse. All right, we got more. Hang on. Do you think we're going to get updated mRNA vaccines every season that'll be directed to each new variation of the coronavirus? And will we have to take those shots every year? I'm almost certain about it. And I say almost certain because, of course, regulators have the final say in all of that. Wow, that seems convenient. Joining me now, Chef Andrew Gruel, owner of Slapfish, and Jeff Teese, president of the Mises Institute. Jeff, I want to start with you. Man, that seems really convenient. The pharmaceutical guy says you're going to need to take his product every single year. Just how much money have these guys made, Jeff? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, just from the vaccines themselves, uh, Moderna and Pfizer have made something like $50 billion. And of course, they've been very fortunate to have one customer, Uncle Sam. They don't have to sell them to us. They don't have to sell them to pharmacies, to doctors. Just one customer, Uncle Sam, pays all of that. And that's at about 15 or 20 bucks a vaccine. When, when it comes to the boosters, and they'd like to roll these out endlessly, as that crazy guy just mentioned, uh, they want to sell those directly to pharmacies more at 70 or 80 a pop, which means you're probably going to pay more like 100 bucks uh, for your booster. Uh, our friend Joe Biden is stumbling around right now on his fourth Pfizer vaccine booster. 
apparently. So it, it really is pretty remarkable. These are the most lucrative pharmaceutical products in the history of mankind. I mean, they are ahead of diabetic drugs, antibiotics like penicillin, you know, any, any pharmaceutical product you might think, statins, uh, heart disease drugs, all pale in comparison. It's pretty incredible. Good grief. Well, that's good. You know what? Good for those pharmaceutical companies. Chef, how are the small businesses doing out there? Yes, not so great. Um, you know, that's what it comes down to. Businesses are getting crushed. They've been getting crushed for two years, and it seems like they're going to continue to get crushed. Andrew, the mandates, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, uh, a lot's been made about people don't like want to don't, don't want to be forced to take a vaccine. Obviously, they don't they don't like to be forced to wear a mask. But how has it affected the bottom line? How's it affect your industry? Well, I mean, I think, look, overall, it, it affects it in two ways. Right. So you've got the employee side of this, employees who have quit, employees who have just been like, I'm over this. I'm not going to, you know, be forced to take a vaccine, especially when I work in the restaurant industry part time. But then on the customer side of things, it's also difficult because in certain areas where they force businesses to act as the police people for the COVID vaccines, customers just won't go to restaurants in certain areas because they think they're going to be forced to either show a vaccine card. You know, it's just upended absolutely everything for no reason at all. Remember, I mean, we're talking about this, but we know that these vaccines do not stop the spread of COVID. So this is all fantasy. This is all playwright i mean thespians everywhere it, it is it is so wild it's like we live in this world of make-believe now and, and i just want to remind everybody i know you two know this all this inflation all this pain all this suffering right now it didn't begin yesterday it didn't even actually begin when joe biden got elected if you want to know that why the world's about to be plunged into a great depression well it started right about here with this video we're announcing new guidelines for every American to follow over the next 15 days. As we combat the virus, each and every one of us has a critical role to play in stopping the spread and transmission of the virus. We, we did this today. This was done by a lot of very talented people, some of whom are standing with me. Jeff. Two years ago, we shut down an economy, acted like we could just start it back up again, and now we have disaster on our hands. We did this to ourselves, did we not? Yeah, absolutely. We shot ourselves in the foot. Uh, people understand that viruses can't be stopped. Viruses travel through societies they always have, regardless of what travel restrictions or business closures or masks or anything else you do. But more importantly, we let people who were in, I guess, what we call the medical scientific cartel make decisions for the rest of us. They aren't equipped to decide. I mean, it's fine for them to tell us, hey, here's what this virus looks like. Here's how lethal it might be. Here's how transmissible it might be. But it's not their place to tell us the policy that flows from that. In other words, if you're a younger, healthier person, whether you should stay home from school or work or wear a mask or anything else. And what we have to do if they try to bring back any of this, and they are bringing it back in places like San Diego and New York City, we just have to push back. We have to go into bars and restaurants and schools and work and say, we're not wearing masks, we're not having closures, we're not having vaccine mandates, we're just, we're just not having this. And you, know, you can call that Irish democracy. That's what's required right now. We can't go back. Chef, supply chain problems. Everyone's heard these words now. No one seemed to realize those things existed about two years ago, but now everyone talks about supply chain, supply chain, 
on the ground, what's it look like when you're trying to run a business and there are supply problems? Well, kudos to anybody who's been able to keep a business afloat in the middle of this because the media doesn't talk about these supply chain issues. They're horrible. They haven't gotten any better. You know, we're talking about electric cars and Buttigieg is up there. Him and, you know, talking about he and Chaston's, you know, electric bunnies. But the thing is that that's not even the issue when it comes to supply chain and transportation. It's the fact that the our own government hasn't done anything to fix the fact that there are so many containers clogging up our ports and it's preventing businesses from getting the products they need. It's turning the economy upside down. And we're out here trying to figure out how to get through it. And the only way to get through it for a lot of businesses is to increase the prices. And then we have the heavy hand of the government coming down and the propaganda saying, you can't increase your prices. You're trying to price gouge everybody. We are only increasing our prices because we can't get the products. If you can't get the product, supply is down, demand is up, prices go up. It's basic macroeconomics. I mean, you know, uh, ask Paul Krugman. I mean, you know, he's a brilliant guy. He can explain that to anybody. So we're screwed. We're screwed. It hasn't gotten any better, and there's no hope. That's the point. So don't buy anything that they're telling you out there. Jeff, you have a piece up right now about language being weaponized. And I mean, look, there's been no greater example than during COVID how they weaponized language. Is Are the same words they used before to whip everyone up into a panic? Are they good to work or are they all stale now? Well, they're going to try. I mean, that's what this has been about. It's been a conformity ritual more than than a virus for most people. For most people who weren't obese or had comorbidity conditions or were, you know, weren't over 80, this was just a flu. Uh, and so when we heard Biden say, you know, it's going to be a winter of severe death and illness for you unvaccinated people, I mean, that was designed uh, as coded propaganda to instill fear and get people out there. Uh, it may even have been your Twitter where you pointed out this, this strange Biden uh, repetitive talk about getting shots in arms. You know, which just sounded very strange, very off-putting, getting shots in arms. And so I think it was all designed uh, just as a giant fear, uh, a propaganda mill to take what is it was really an imminently survivable virus and turn it into something that shut down the world. And they, I think in large part in the West, a big motivation was just to get Trump. We'll shut down the world to get Trump, and they did. Gosh, that's so true. Jeff, Chef, thank you both. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. We got final thoughts. Next. A reckoning. I don't call for one because I'm vengeful and spiteful. I, I really don't. I am vengeful and spiteful, but that's not why I call for one. People in power, we have over 2 million employees in the federal government. That means there's a ton of corruption. Just, it's inevitable. 2 million employees, trillions of dollars passing through their hands. How much corruption does that mean? How many of them are in federal prison? Not very many. We need people in government to start going to prison. The people who have wrecked this country over COVID lies so they could lie in their own pockets, so they could get power, so they could get their face on television. These people need to go to prison, not because of what they've done necessarily, although that's part of it. They need to go to prison 
So the next time somebody in government considers doing something like this, they have to pause and they have to consider what the consequences might be. That's why we need a reckoning. All right, we'll do it again. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.